Welcome to another episode of Bleachers and Boards, brought to you by the Hoop Heads Podcast. I'm Marlon Guild, and along with my co-host Matt Collier, we'll analyze everything from hoops to hip-hop. Check us out. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Bleachers and Boards here on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. I'm Matt Collier, here with my co-host, Coach Marlon Gill. Marlon, what's going on, man? How you been? Good, man. I'm good. I'm in a new space. Okay. So, but we're going to have some fun, man. Okay, yeah. I, we always have fun here on, on Bleachers and Boards. And, uh, you know, this episode I know is going to be uh, nothing but the same. And obviously, we have a great opportunity. And uh, we're honored to have... Uh, Coach Jerome Poo Allen, Philadelphia legend, currently an assistant coach with the uh, Boston Celtics and a uh, guy that we've both known for, for a while. Um, you know, I go way back, well, not way, way back with Poo, but I've um, known him for quite some time. Um, worked for a coach that he worked, uh, played for, actually, uh, Coach Gil Jackson at Penn, who I worked for at Howard. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how we got connected the first time. And uh, obviously, who went on the great things at, at Penn and then, you know, an opportunity to coach in the NBA, which is, um, you know, which is awesome, you know, but he also played in the NBA. Uh, so he's had a very storied and <clears throat> distinguished basketball career as a player and as a coach. So we're definitely fortunate to have him on the podcast with us tonight. So, Pooh, how's it going, man? What's up, guys? Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, I can't can't really complain. I'm happy to be here. Excited. Um, and you know, looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Now, this uh, this is a great uh, great opportunity for us to have a uh, you know a guy that's like I said had um, great experiences as a player as well as a coach and uh, coaching on the highest level now with a not just on the highest level but with a very successful organization and team and program. So this is um you know this is a great this is a coup for us. So I'm fired up. How you feeling about it, Coach? Hey, man. For me, this is great. You know. Uh, like you said, man, having the chance to have a relationship with Pooh, uh, not just on this podcast, but building that relationship over time. You know, shout out to our 12 Inches Over guys. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's kind of like family now, man. So l- looking forward. Definitely. Um, and, and, you know, we, we kind of just going to get right into it. Uh, you know, I think, Matt, we spoke about taking a different – Twist today than what we normally do. We normally have coaches come on here and they get a chance to showcase, you know, their X's and O game. But we decided to switch it up today, man. We, we got an NBA guy on here, so you know, we wanted to figure out how they do scouting reports 
you know, in contrast to how we doing at the college level. Uh, you know, so who, if, you, if you don't mind, man, just talk about some of the differences that you've seen, obviously being at the collegiate level and now being at, at the pro level uh, before, you know, we get into what a scouting report would look like for us. How, how was it for you uh, comparing and contrasting a little bit? You don't mind talking about it. Um, so, so obviously with the, the difference in the amount of games that, that's on the two schedules kind of dictates uh, kind of not so much what you can cover, mm-hmm. but the amount of information that, that you, you, you give the players. I think the amount of information that's, that's um, required to know of coaches at both levels is the same, but the presentation, you know, maybe, you know, a little different. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was, you know, when I was in college, I, you know, I'm not saying, you know, the other coaches, you know, my coworkers, I drove them crazy, but like, you know, we had chopped this schedule up and everybody had their scouts and, and I still did my own uh, scout and, you know, just not because I didn't trust them, but it was just, I just, I never wanted the guys to, to, to not have the information and, and, and to a fault, I think sometimes, you know, I, I over kind of loaded them with just what to be ready for as opposed to just, you know, looking at the percentages of, of, of what actions um, teams were going to run and then try to, you know, build that and give them um, a fresh legs and a clear mind to go out and compete. But uh, that's just me. Like, I'm real anal. And, uh, you know, I watch things over and over and over again, probably out of fear for, of, of failing. But, you know, sometimes that can be counterproductive. And But I'm still that way, <clears throat> even in the NBA. Uh, but the difference is because there's such quick turnarounds, you know, you may play four games in, in, in a week. Um, you know, the, the amount of information that you could um, offer these guys, you know, has to, you know, has to be not so much at a minimum, but you really have to, you know, trust the system and, and trust the guys to pretty much do some of the, some of the work on their own, meaning like uploading information on their iPads and, you know, when they're home at the house, you know, watching, personnel clips of certain guys tendencies and stuff like that and then getting together and you know brad's done a good job of of just finding the things that the things that are most important um and then going out and trusting that you know over a game that's 200 possessions long with the combination of offense and defense the 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 number of things that if we win a higher percentage of them will you know will put ourselves in a position to win so um you know, I still, you know, when it's, when it's my scout, you know, I still, I could sit and watch one clip, you know, six times in a row and, and, you know, try to, you know, put together like every scenario, even outside of the, the final result. Um, because, you know, I, you know, it's just me. I just like always wanted, wanted to be in a no, but, um, you know, at this level, I just, you know, try to give Brad, four or five bullet points as, you know, things, themes that we, we need to cover. And, um, and then it's up for him, you know, to, to make an informed decision because, you know, that's our jobs as a system is just, you know, provide him with the information and then, you know, he, you know, he'll go out and, you know, with, you know, his feel and with his knowledge, you know, go out and, and present the things to the team. Right. 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 Uh, I, I guess, you know, for us at the collegiate level, and Matt, you can chime in on this too. Obviously, we play a 30, 
the 35 game schedule. Whereas, you know, for you guys, that's almost half a year, you, you know, get, getting to that. Right. So for us as assistants and Matt, now you as a head coach, oftentimes the scouts are split up between the three assistants, right? At, at the collegiate level, you know, each guy gets about 10 to 12 game for the year how, how was it for you guys in the nba or over a course of uh, 82 games now obviously you have more people on staff but how do you guys break that up if you don't mind telling us yeah so i guess i've only been in one place at this level um but you know i've had enough pairs and we talk about just um things that are in place in different settings you know i could speak confidently about you know how brad um breaks up this coaching, the coaching staff duties. Um, and, uh, and, but like, you know, like I said, you know, some guys, some teams have offensive coordinators, some teams have defensive coordinators, guys that do all of the scouts, um, guys that are responsible for all of the pro- progressions and install. But, you know, with Brad, <clears throat> since I've been here, you know, my first four years was always two coaches on the, uh, Offensive side of the ball, you know, which is, you know, we talked about this. You know, we're responsible for our opponent's defensive analysis, how we're going to break teams down. This past year, he added a third coach. So I went from, say, having 41 scouts during the year to um, 28 this past year. Uh, coach Carol Lawson, who's the head coach of Duke now, she was on the offensive side of the ball herself. And Scott Morrison had 27 scouts apiece, and I had 28. But, you know, in the first four years, um, you know, I had 41. Scott Morrison had 41. And then before Scott came, it was myself and Jay Larinaga. You know, we each broke it up that way. But on the defensive side of the ball, there were always, you know, three coaches. And, they you know, they broke it up. So it's 27, 27, and 28 um, as well. And, uh, um, you know, we were responsible for a written report and then a, a sorter or a video edit that, you know, supports our, our findings and our ideas and our suggestions. And, um, and then we have two coaches, um, that either one is either in a player development, um, group or, or the other one is in our, a video group that are responsible for, um, personnel. So you always have three people working on one team at all times. Someone is responsible solely for, personnel and tendencies. Another one's responsible for the defense. Another one's responsible for for the off, offense. And so that's kind of like how Brad is, has has broken it up. And um, you know, it's you know, sometimes when you got a back to back and uh and you know you got a scout due on a, on a day where the team is playing, it's your team and then the next night you have that game as well and you know it's time to present, you know, you you're talking about the Sixers, but really you're about to play Miami and, you know, your, your mind is all over the place. So I, I commend all the guys who do and other on other teams who do all of the scouts. Um, but I'm quite sure they got a handle on it. And, you know, they probably have subcommittees where they break stuff down kind of like um, informally. So. Uh, uh, now, Matt, how, how do you guys do it at, at, at Queens, man? Uh, so what we did it um, similar to what um, <clears throat> what we do similar to what Pooh said that um, I like my um, for our staff to be working on every game. So we do have a offensive coordinator, we have a defensive coordinator, and we have a player personnel. So on every scout, um, you know, 
presentation wise and the written scouting report, every coach is um, adding something to the um, to the scouting report. And I believe that I like it that way because I for for the players, I like for them to know if they're on the bench and they have, a you know, so if a guy's getting ready to check in the game and he has a question on a defensive assignment, he knows which assistant to, you know, ask a question for. And same thing for me. If I want to ask a question in game, I know who I'm talking to, not, you know, looking up and down the bench and trying to remember, oh, it's your scout today or it's your scout today. You know, I just feel it's more efficient for. And also as an assistant, I didn't like when um, the game was going on and say it wasn't my scout. And a player would ask me a question about, you know, the specifics of, you know, what was going on or whatever. And I didn't have a, you know, a good answer for him because it wasn't my scout that day. And I have to say, oh, you have to ask the, the other coach. I didn't like that feeling as an assistant, not being informed on every game. And then, you know, just also from an efficiency standpoint and also just to keep, you know, to keep everybody engaged. You know, I, I like that system um, better, um, you know, of everybody working on the game every day. Um, well, not every day, but for every game and preparing that way. Um, so, you know, that's that's how we do it. Right. And, and I guess, you know, and both of you guys could chime in on this. I guess that's kind of the new wave now. You know, mm-hmm. you have your offensive coordinator, you have your defensive coordinator or coordinators for, for each side of the ball. And I, I guess, you know, for me, when I got into the business, it was – Everybody had their own individual scout when you had to take offensive defense, you know. And, and now, I guess, when would you guys say that you started to see that trend going of offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators working together? Uh, Pua, I'll let you go first. Matt, you can chime in on it too, though. So it, it's uh, I, I kind of have like a different like mindset about that. Like I, I never wanted to be known as an offensive coach. Or, or a defensive coach, like I, I took pride in, in studying the game on both on both ends, and I think you know a lot of times people get like not so much pigeon pigeonholed, or you know opportunities may come up and some, someone will say, uh, uh, you know, this guy is uh, I don't need an offensive coach. I'm looking for a defensive coach, and I just think you know me personally, I'm I'm talking about how we're going to execute against a team. But I'm watching defense, right? You know, and so, um, you know, it's different. You know, different pe- people like to do things. You know, different different ways, and you know, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Just me personally, even though I, you know, I, my job responsibilities is to is to submit um, opponents' defensive analysis. Like I, like I study the game. So when we're in a staff meeting and we're talking about. Uh, you know, why, you know, Gordon Dragic keeps getting over top of the ball screen. Um, I just don't, I don't want to be oblivious as to like the, the direction of the conversation. Um, you know, I, you know, I want to say, you know, if, if we're not great at the rim, we got to be great at the point of attack and our physicality and connecting and directing with the ball is the reason why, you know, the, you know, the ball keep getting over the top and that the lift is opening up and, and, you know, as opposed to just, just saying, oh, you know, that's that's none of my bit. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about that side of of, of the ball, I, I, and that's just me, you know. So, but uh, again, I I challenge myself to kind of be as informed as I possibly can, even if my voice isn't needed. 
and, and I'm not over trying to over talk, you know, the guys who've been, you know, falling asleep watching so much film, you know, trying to help us, you know, defend Ben Simmons and, and elbow pitch actions, you, you know, but at least I know even in silence that I'm, I'm informed, you know, because of, because I've watched it as well. And sometimes like you don't have enough time to do an in-depth study, like the guys whose responsibility it is, but I at least wanted to kind of always be informed enough to be able to, you know, to, to see, to see the game. And so, you know, I, I know NBA teams where, you know, guys say, no, one guy is the office coordinator. Another guy is the, is the defensive coordinator. Uh, and I know some places that just say, all right, well, you, you and you, 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 all you guys got offense, you guys got defense and whatever works for who's ever running, running the show, you know, is, it, it makes sense for them. It makes sense for me. But as a coach, me personally, I'm all, I'm going to study the game on both ends of the floor. Right. Right. <clears throat> Man, what's, what's your take on, on that, game? When no, I, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, there's different ways to skin it, um, to skin the cat. There's nothing, you know, <laughs> who am I to argue, right? <laughs> With the MD, you know, the only question I, I have is, um, you know, I know you said guys break it up differently. Is it broken up? Uh, we'll just, I guess, just talk about your um, your organization. Is it broken up by, say, the calendar days? So is it okay? You're going to have every third game or every fourth game. Is it broken up by okay? You have all the teams in the um, in the West. Um, you know, you, another coach has all the teams in the. You know, not all the teams in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference, but you know, the, the you know, you guys have you have the Atlantic. You have the you know whatever. Is it broken down that way by the? Um, <clears throat> by the divisions and the conferences is it dates is it you know you know whatever how how, how do y'all break it up yeah that's it's crazy uh that's a good question for some reason like brad has always found a way to even though it was just two of us to not allow us to ever have three in a row or more than like two back-to-backs a month so you know i could have uh charlotte toronto miami OKC, Portland, Dallas, Utah. I'm, I'm just throwing names out there. Um, so it's not, you know, and the Knicks. You know, so it's, it's not based off of division, conference, uh, or anything. Um, that's a good question. I remember one day I'm asking, like, just tell me how how did you pick it so that, uh, you know, we, we didn't, we, we've never had, like, three in a row or, or more than two back-to-backs in a month. And so I don't really have the answer. Right. Nah, well, you know what? I kind of just wanted to show you, and, and, you know, like I said, before you came on, Matt and I were talking about this, how we do things at, at the collegiate level and, and how you guys do things in, in the league. So, you know, I'll just share my screen and I'll break down the way a scout report would look like for us here at, at Ryder and, uh, you know, allow you to rip it apart, man, and break it down and get us better at all as coaches, man, for everybody that's listening and that's going to watch this on the uh, podcast. I, I I might be getting myself better. I'm not looking at this assuming, like, I mean, that's me. You know, I make, I just want to see it and that was about to curse. See what I could learn, you know. <laughs> so, let me share my screen here. So first, I wanted to use, uh, we played Arizona State last year. And um, for, for one, 
you know, our scout reports, they probably go no more than two, three pages. You know, you try to get front and back and try to simplify as much as possible. Uh, so I guess I'll start with that. Like for you guys uh, in the league, man, what's the average amount of pages you use for one scout report? <laughs> I mean, I, I work for a guy who like, he wanted on one page. Like it's, it's not like, um, I mean, he wants the information, but it's, again, it's like, think about who we're trying to relay the message or themes to, you know, these guys, not so much that their attention span is short, but there are a lot of things going on. You know, we, again, we plan four games in seven days. Like what really could they possibly retain? Right. Um, um, and almost to the point where they almost got to turn, turn the page like the next night. Like, and, and so, um, a lot similar to, to, you know, you know, what you, what you present and it to be, you know, whoever it is, uh, we play, we play Arizona state, you know, we, we were state, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the record, uh, it, it, it'll be, uh, um, a little more. So my first three years, mm-hmm. um, the, the top part of the, of the one page, let's just say it would be page and a half, the top part of, of the page would, would have just personnel. Okay. Um, um, and, and not necessarily in it because it wasn't my, uh, in my report, like it had nothing to do with, um, per, the tendencies of the personnel. So it would have just, you know, the, their personnel. And then it would, it would be some analytical or statistical, uh, rankings, you know, the, the things that, you know, he deemed and, you know, important. What are their rank defensive rankings um in transition and three point attempts percentage um effective field goal percentage um turnover turnover percentage um and uh offensive rebound I'm just say just that simple so it was like five or six numbers okay and then it would uh and then you know we would talk about like uh a couple of bullet points like uh yeah you know they uh in actions, they uh, they give up, you know, you know, the most corner threes in the league, or they uh, they uh, um, are, you know, last in the league at defending, you know, dribble handoffs, or, right. or you know, wh- whatever whatever thing you could pull out from from the data, and then it would just be a written synopsis of you know, right. kind of like my thoughts, like or I'm take it back actions. That I would suggest we we run against them, mm-hmm. right? And then it'll be a maybe a paragraph or two, kind of like a written synopsis of, of my you know my thoughts, you know who to put in actions, um, you know what are the themes, you know playing through the scene to get to the second side, um, you know look to really get out and run a transition, you know Joel and Beef struggles to get back, you know um, you know just just anything. So how it's laid out here is. It looks a lot similar in terms of the organization of it. Maybe in certain uh, um, subcategories, the the wording might be different, but it was always in our scout reports always uh, data okay. as far as as far as uh, um, certain things. And again, like it, it would you know just be data that pertain to the themes that you were trying to emphasize in your in your report. Right. The first, the first three years, the, the, and then this past year, 
we kind of changed the structure, the layout. Okay. Um, and uh, it was kind of, we got right to the themes and maybe like two bullet points. If we had three mm-hmm. things we picked, maybe two bullet points underneath it. And then it would be a section of uh, who to attack, what to run. Gotcha. And, and, and all of that would tie into the themes above it. And it was, and so instead of putting the rankings in there, um, we kind of decided to, to use that information and, and then, uh, and then that, that, that would be it. So the, the long two paragraph or three paragraph soliloquy that I always <laughs> wrote, which probably drove Brad crazy, um, you know, was removed and we just kind of changed the format. I think, uh, and Matt, I'd love to get your thoughts too, but something that, that you brought up that I already see that that's a difference. Now, obviously, it's two different games, you know, the collegiate game and the NBA game, but, you know, just the fact that you bring up, hey, guys have better percentages of shooting from the corner than, say, from the wing, you know, and, and that's something where, you know, you can go even further in detail. Um, but when, when you said that, that was something that I'm like, wow, you know what? I wonder if there are a lot of college teams that do, do that, you know, pay attention to that stat. He's a better shooter from the right corner than he is the, the, the left corner. Um, but the, you know, the, the one thing, the one, not to cut you off, the one thing about the NBA, they have all the information, mm-hmm. right? And, and so, like, I mean, it's just crazy to me that we do. They got this thing called heat charts where you could they on a graph, uh, and it's like heat sensors that you know transfer on the paper that pretty much tell you like where the bulk of guys shoot their shots from, mm-hmm. um, and like the things that you know you you just not going to take away or you know the the things that you know you don't want to. Um, allow them to, to have without any, any, any resistance, you know, like, you know, Kevin Durant from the left elbow, like his shot chart is probably better than 70% of the guys in the league that get shots in the paint. You know, I'm just using it as a, as an example. And so like what the information does is it, it kind of, helps you to figure out or helps helps Brad figure out what what actions to call and, and run. Um and and it's not necessarily say the the person shooting the shot, mm-hmm. but really like how many times are we providing that opportunity for guys on our team to, you know, to kind of get that shot. Like right. if they if I said that that uh Queens College is, you know, they they overhelp, right? They it's an overhelp team. They always pull in. They always tagging. And then, um, if I'm saying that in the report, and then if you go back to some of the statistical rankings and uh, points per shot, and it says above the break, you know they are last in the league. You know teams are averaging one point four one points per shot. You kind of make the connection that okay, so when I'm calling the game. Now I'm going to play a lot of corner fill ball screens where the ball get over the top or, or I'm going to run a 
dribble handoff with a pin down, a pin down, dribble pitch, big roll out of it, and then lift behind because, you know, the lift will be open. So as he is thinking about how he wants to call a game, it's certain calls that's connected to a team that overhelps. Right. Right. And, and it, you know, I, I know I'm pretty much, you guys know, you know, know what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. all of the information is connected from the report to what he calls to, to the data that's, that's being given to us. And, uh, and we just try to condense it to the point where you just don't, you know, over, and like I said, overload the guys mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and kind of keep it simple, but it's all like, even the same things right here on, on this report. It's all, it's all the same. It might just be presented, you know, a little different. Right. All right. Now, Matt, how, how would you guys do it at, at Queens College, man? Uh, one page, two page. How, how do you guys do it there? Um, it's, I mean, it's similar. Uh, we try to do, um, at a glance. Um, and again, you know, the assistant that's in charge of whatever area they're going to plug in their piece. So everybody is, um, contributing to the, um, to the whole scouting report. So, you know, the at a glance stuff, you know, if it's based on personnel, the personnel coach is going to put his, you know, bullet points in the offensive coach is going to put his bullet points in defensive coach is going to put his bullet points in and then um we uh you know we, we roll from there you know with the keys to the game i let you know i let them collaborate on you know maybe i don't really dictate okay you have one bullet point you have to you know like that as far as the keys to victory type of thing because we you know we do that as well kind of like sum it up um i let them kind of talk with each other but we don't want it to be 15 keys to victory right we want to keep it you know maybe the five or six at maximum. So I kind of let them dictate what those two things are that they feel are most important. Or for one game, it might be, you know, four defensive things and two offensive or vice versa. So I kind of give them the freedom to uh, express that. And then I also let them do the board um, prior to the game as well, um, just so they have, and, and then speak on, um, speak on it during their, their, their time. Okay. And, you know, I, I'll pose it to the both of you guys. Uh, what we try to do at Ryder, I'm sure everybody does the same. We have our matchups of who will be guarding who, who you start out with. And then, you know, we try to give two or three bullet points on each guy and probably highlight one thing more than the other two so that our guys know that, hey, all right, if that's highlighted or bolded, I really got to pay attention to this. So I'll pose that to both of you guys and then before I get into the film, but how do you guys do that? Just talking about uh, the personnel and, and each guy. It's, 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 it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty much the same, you know, as I was thinking about it, it was like, you think about the whole of a team, right? Maybe I was misleading when I just talked about, you know, just try to have a you know a page or a page and a half. But if you think about the totality of the team, we're about to play, you know, who's ever responsible for opponent's offensive analysis, meaning right, uh, what our def- defensive emphasis should be. Mm-hmm. They're, they're presenting a report to Brad as well, right? So now that's page and a half. I don't do fractions well, but I know one and a half plus one and a half is three, right? right. And then you have a personnel, you know, report and a personnel edit. And so, so he's probably getting, you know, four to, you know, f- say five pages max from, each team that he's getting himself. Right. Um, and, um, and so like 
just because I, I don't get the personnel report doesn't mean that it's not one written. But I do know that our guys will get, like, say, an extended personnel edit on their iPads if they ask for it, or they'll get the, the condensed personnel edit right before we walk out on the floor. That's how, you know, Brad, you know, likes to do it. You know, literally, we go personnel, defensive analysis. All right, let's bring it in. Let's go, you know, family together. Right. Um, and so all the stuff that was in the report about each guy, well, even if it was in the bull print or the bullet, the, the, the keys said this guy, one or two things, they are like discussed via over with a voiceover during the presentation as they, as they get ready to walk out on the floor. And some guys will have their iPads in, in the locker room and really like sitting in their locker, watching the personnel edit you know, like in detail, right? And, and some guys may wait until the presentation happens. So all the things that, that is connected to the whole, the totality of the team that you got that, that needs to be presented is still given to the guys. It's just given to them in, in a different, different form. Right, right. Matt, you, man, how the same thing uh, along those same lines? Or? Yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, we try to get a general overview um, of everything. Um, I have a question about, um, because this is something I've been kicking back and forth, you know, during this uh, off season. is how would you describe the um, – I would say, how would you describe the the position of your scouting reports? And I mean, I'm asking that to say, do you view the scouting reports as um, defensive or offensive or neutral? And I don't mean from an offensive defense. Like, do you feel like the position that you guys are taking uh, are, okay, this is what they do and this is what we have to be able to prevent in order for us to be successful or do you go at it from the perspective on both ends of the floor? No, this is what we're going to do to them. I see what you're saying. Or is it kind of like a mix, you know, or neutral, like how, how, how is the, how is it positioned towards, you know, when the information is given, is it from a defense, you know, or, you know, this is what we have to guard against, or we got, you know, if we don't take this away, they're going to kill us. Or is it not? Nah, we're going in here and this is what we're going to do on defense. This is what we're going to do on offense. And this is how we're going to beat them. Or is it kind of, Hey, Hey, look, this is just the facts. And <laughs> and here we go. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, not necessarily a combination of both, but it, it, yeah. it's, uh, it, you know, it's like this. Okay. So, uh, we are playing Miami, right. And, uh, and, you know, we say, you know, because they overhelp and bam is great at the rim. Right. I'm telling you that drive and kick the overhelp, the kickouts are going to be there, right? And so when I'm presenting it, when like I'm presenting the information, I try to to give examples of both positive and negative of this is these are the keys to being successful offensively. We still don't know whether the ball is going to go. We can get forty open threes all night. And sometimes the ball just don't go in, right? But what do you do? You coach and celebrate the right place, right? Or you just get better players, right? So, so even if we get open shots and we miss them, there's like certain like there this category ex- expected shot value. Sometimes it drives me crazy, right? But what it did was say to me that on the nights when you just don't make certain shots, right? 
um, you say, you know, we, we got some good looks. They just didn't go down at night. But over a larger sample size, majority of the time, those shots won't go down and you celebrate that, right? Or you say, man, we need to get some, we need to get some guys there that could just make shots, you know what I'm saying? So, so for me, I always try to present the information such that if, if we execute, right, if we play with pace, right, if we have an overall understanding of the defensive, of their defensive objectives, right, we could pick anybody apart, right? And so is it positive? Is it, is it, is it about us? Is it about them? It's like a, it's like a combination of, like, if I didn't think we were capable of doing certain things, then I, I wouldn't say this is what we have, you know, have to do, you know. So I just try to get them to be like, like informed as to, and then exploit what you know what what the other team you know is trying to do because they pros, they, you know, the best players in the world, and they sh- they should be able to make the you know the the right shots at a at a high enough rate to to be able, you know, when they're informed to be able to beat anybody. Right. Right. And you brought up a good point of when they're informed. So obviously, you know, you have the scouting report that they'll take a look at. Now, when it comes to film, I know for us, Matt, I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well. We often have, you know, unless you're playing that Friday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday game, you've got three or four days to prepare for a game. So I know for us, uh, if I'm putting an a edit together, it'll be about 15 minutes long. And that'll be personnel, their tendencies, you know, transition their sets. And then if they do something, what well, we might have to watch out for out of a timeout, things of that nature. So over those three days, you know, that film session, I'm probably going five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, where, you know, those five minutes in real time, you know, can be 20 minutes, you know. Um, how do you guys do it, you know, with the quick turnaround or if you have some time? What's the average time for an edit that you show the players? Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I mean, to me, like, I, again, I'm crazy. So, uh, nothing wrong with that. You're a coach. So, we all, we all got a little crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and I've, I've gotten better. I've gotten better. We were working for a guy that, that, uh, he just he don't he, he efficient with his time and so uh and what I found I, I would be like, no, nah, but I forgot about this. But you gotta make sure that they that that they know this and and he just he found a way of hitting on, you know, because again our practice time is limited and found a way of hitting on like four or five key things and we just ride and we just say, you know what, we're gonna use the season to get better at some of the other things. Like I was telling Tom you know, where we, you know, I, you know, I was saying well, we, we came on zone. We never worked, prep, worked, worked on zone. And, and we got up in one game and middle of the third, the rest of the game to the end of the fourth, he just, we stayed in zone. He was like, yeah, it's going to be great, you know, footage to have. And, so, you know, we get some practice at it. And so what, if I had to do it all over again, or I say, or just say at this level, at this level, I had an opportunity to, to be responsible for putting the clock on on certain segments and how much time I would say I would probably, if I could, just on offense and defense, probably wouldn't spend no more than 
no more than 10 minutes of meeting on certain things. Mm -hmm. um, again, like how much of this are they really retaining? And then the pros take the, the initiative to study stuff on their own sometimes. They'll come back and ask questions later or will ask for, yo, let me, let me get all my pick and rolls or, uh, yo, um, what are they doing on, on, you know, where's your action or, or, you know, or what have they been killing teams on? They'll ask for, you know, for the information, but you know, Brad, like he's going to get to it, pick a couple of things and get out of it. And, and then, you know, figure the other stuff out as, as the game goes on and just trust our kind of base system and he'll, he'll make adjustments on, you know, on the fly and things will be going on in the game. And, and he'll have that feel and say, all right, you know, man, we're coming out of the timeout. Um, you know, we're we going, you know, blitz. Uh, uh, Kyle Lowry coming out of the right corner with the stag action, right? Because he likes to come off going right to left and no matter who's there, you know, he's making a shot. And so you know, he said, all right, the next timeout, he may say, all right, now let's three-way it. You know, and and my point in saying all that is that giving them different looks that's that's kind of like wrapped around our base. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like all right. Well, he didn't say and and uh, and practice that. You know, we didn't practice. This is all we're doing. He may say, all right, guys, all right, look, we're walking through it. So now you know that's now less three way, and he'll say, you know, be ready in the game to you know three way this action and and. uh you know, you guys make mistakes, you know, you'd be like, you know, uh, Daniel Tice might not have screamed it loud enough. And maybe Jalen Brown said, I didn't hear him. And he's like, yo, we just said, you know, I had a timeout three ways. Like, right, you know, you got it. So, you know, they, they make mistakes, but you know, he, he's, he does an excellent job of making adjustments on the fly. Yeah. Matt, Matt, for you guys, man, how long do you spend, you know, with the film session leading into a game and, you know, what have you learned from the coaches that you've been around? <laughs> I, I see you smile, so I know where you're going with this. So, yeah, so uh, I, I learned um, very long film sessions. Um, I tried to um, shorten them. Um, but like Pooh said, you do get caught up as a coach sometime. And, you know, I want my guys to be prepared for everything. I want them to see everything. Um, so I'm trending more to – shortening the film sessions you know we used to break it up like okay our league was wednesday saturday so it would be broken up like okay we come in on monday for the wednesday game before practice we're going to watch um some x's and O's stuff right so when we go so now when we go up on the floor and we're going over it the guys have seen it on film and then now when we try to you know work on the action they, they have a little bit of a frame of reference then tuesday come in before practice, we're going to watch the personnel, okay, so just so they have a little bit of a feel. This is the guys. This is what they do. Okay, so this is the action that they ran. The shooter's going to be here. The role guy's going to be here. You know, try to, you know, give it a little bit more context. And then on Wednesday, um, you know, after shoot around, now we're going to watch everything, you know. So, you know, that's how I was. That's how we were doing it. I'm, I'm kind of trending towards doing less video, and, and again, you know, maybe making it just more about us. So if, even if we are watching video, it's going to be more about what we're going to do as opposed to the opponent. I'm, I think I'm, you know, 
going to experiment with that a little bit to see how it goes. Um, you know, just to try something different and, um, you know, just from a, just from a mentality standpoint, I, I'm thinking about shifting how we've done film in the past. So, um, you know, I'm still going through it. I'm still, you know, working through it. I, I agree with Pooh that <laughs> I'm probably still going to, you know, watch all the film for myself and know every different option that they run out of this play and, you know, all the different things and drive myself crazy and watch all the film to my eyes bleed. Right. And, and have that, you know, so I know what's going on, but as far as what we share with the players, I'm thinking about transitioning a little bit and lessening watching as much film of the opponents still having them be prepared, but watching a little bit less film on the opponents. And if we are watching film, spending more time on us and, and getting better. So um, that's something I'm, uh, you know, putting in place for the uh, the upcoming seasons. Got it. Now, Matt and I talk about this often, and I want us all to, to, to give something before we get to the crazy side of, of the interview, the, the spicy part that we like, right? But as an assistant, and, and man, I, I want yours as well, man. When, and Pooh, you brought it up, how much is too much, right? So I remember I was at a, at a school, and we were playing a high major team. It was my scout. And, you know, when you have everything in your mind ready to go, you know exactly what they're going to run. And you get to that point of how much is too much. And we've all been there, right? And it's like, yeah, I, I got to show one more thing. And you can tell when your team is, like, burned out. <laughs> and they're like, yo, coach, enough's enough. We got it. So it was – one last play I, I wanted to show. And, and, you know, when you're playing these high major teams, it's a guaranteed game. And you want to leave with the win and the check, right? That's always the thing. Leave with the win and the check. And so we're playing this game, and the team we're playing against saved this one play for their side of the floor. Second half, and you see the play coming, and I yell out, yo, flare, flare. And, you know, you're playing in front of 10,000. So your players can't really hear it. You're yelling as loud as you can. And the team hits this shot. We were actually up one in the game with about a minute 30 to go. They hit the shot. It was a three-pointer, puts them up two. And I'm like, lit. I start screaming on, on, on the bench. And my head coach mm-hmm. like, yo, man, sorry, we're, we're going to score. It's like, nah, man. That was the play I had in my head, but it was too much. And we ended up losing the game by three. And we've all been there, right, as coaches. There's no worse feeling when you're in that locker room. It's like, yo, that's the one I wanted to go over because I knew it was coming. And, mm-hmm. and you knew it would be in the second half, but it was, how much is too much? So, uh, you know, who I'll get your thoughts. And, Matt, the same thing. What was that moment for you? Uh you don't have to go too much in, in detail, but what was that moment that you had was like, damn, I wanted to get to that and we didn't have a chance to get to it because we were just overloaded. I mean, it happens a lot, right? Because you, your responsibility is, you know, you're a good coach. And so you dive into the details, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And But you're respectful of, you know, you're dealing with human beings and you're dealing with young men who – who cannot, like, this whole thing about the the elements of being a human being, right? You know, Coach Baggs is in a huddle drawing up a play, right? And he tell Matt where to go, tell me where to go, tell you where to go, and the other two guys where to go. All right, y'all got it? Ready? Break. 
right? And you walk out of the huddle and somebody is is not sure uh, where to go, right? It was just shown to them, right? right. So it, there's, you know, between like the moment between seeing it and then exec- execution, just so many other things come into your mind, right? And it's the same thing like with, with coaching, right? You got all the information, you did the work, right? Unless you had like a, I'm saying a special situation segment preparing for the team, right? Even if you did, it doesn't necessarily mean that the guys are going to be locked into the point where y'all were going to get a stop, right? And so what drives me crazy, right, is that when I know something and then and then either I don't say it, share it, right, or, or make a point of making them aware of it coming right on the floor, right? But, but it happens. That's not why that flare screen wasn't the reason why y'all lost by three. And this is an example. I mean, I, I, I just got on social media, right? So we playing the Miami series and I had people in my DMs telling me what to do against a two, three zone, right? <laughs> now, 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 Brad, now, Brad just, he just, we played Toronto. They threw everything at us. Trying one, two, boxing one, two, one, two matchup, two, three matchup. They blitzed us. They switched everything. And Brad just, you know, got out of our guys what we need to get out of it, be able to execute. And so why I say that is for is for the, the, <laughs> for for this reason. All of a sudden now, right, it was as if we 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 forgot everything, you know, we 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 knew about the game. Mm-hmm. And so people was harping on, ah, you know. You guys don't know how to attack a zone and da da da. You NBA, you pros, and I just is like, all right, we lost the game by three, right? We gave up forty-two points in transition and offensive rebounds, right? Forty-two. If we just rebound and get back in transition, the narrative is completely different. Right. And so my point in saying that is that as much as it drove you crazy and it drives me crazy when you when you you have something but you don't you say ah it's probably too much you know it's like which they might not have remembered or they could have remembered and the team still would have scored it always we don't we lose games because of the basics of the game it don't it don't come down to you know final it's like it's 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 the summation of one possession games it always comes back to defense rebounding right Shot selection, right? Again, I'm saying we have 42 points and transition the offensive rebound. We, if we instead of watching the trajectory of the ball, the flight of the ball, if we make the contact on a corner crash two times, if we do it, we win the basketball game. And we're not talking about the uh, uh, issues executing against the zone. We're not talking about the flare screen on the backside when they hit the three and put them up too. You, you know what I'm saying? So to kind of put, take a little bit of pressure off yourself. You got to keep like, and I'm going to keep like studying teams, finding out what they, you know, you know, what they like to do, the, the, you know, the small details, the special situations. And that's for us, but transferring the information, being efficient with it to the point where, you know, let's get our guys to, to, to do these things at, at a high rate. And majority of the time, not all the time, majority of the time, 
we'll, we'll end up, you know, winning the game. That's the only way I'm able to sleep at night. <laughs> and I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Man, same thing for you, man. You know what? That's that's exactly where my head is now. And I was the opposite. I was that uh, <laughs> we got to, you know, we got to go over every play. They're going to kill us with this play. And this is the trick play. And we got to be ready. And, you know, as a coach, it makes you feel good if you stop it one time. And then, but you know what? I had a, and I don't want to go too long with this, but I had a conversation with my team uh, over the, you know, during the break. And we were talking about getting over the hump, you know, of, you know, playing at the top of the league and beating the good teams. and. They talked about it. They said, you know, we go over all the plays and we know them and we're calling out the actions and, and we go over it in practice and everything. And what they threw it back on me, right? And they said, you know, you prepare us, right? We, we have everything and we watch the video and we go over everything on the floor. And they said, okay, they run the action that we went over and then they bang a three and then they look over to the bench and they see my facial expression mm-hmm. of – yo, we went over this. How did y'all just give that up? And they said it actually deflates him mm-hmm. because it's the, you know what? He's, yeah, we went over it and we might've been quote unquote prepared for it, but it happened. And then now it's the, yo, we went over this. And then now it's like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I told y'all this was going to happen. Y'all didn't pay it, you know, whatever it happened. And then now, boom, here we are in the moment. And so, back to what I was saying about the video, like I'm trying to change my mentality, like to go with what Pooh was saying, to put these guys in the type of space where it's like, you know what, we're going to be okay if we focus on us and what we do. If we get all the rebounds we're supposed to get, if we make the shots that we're supposed to make, if we make the cuts that we're supposed to make, if we make the extra passes that we're supposed to make, the game will take care of itself. And it won't be, we lost the game because of that flare screen or because of that, you know, you know, triple stagger that <laughs> that we saw on film twice that we like, oh, that's a doozy, but we didn't go over it in the game, you know, like, or we didn't go over it in practice. That if you trust in your guys and you trust in their, on what you've emphasized and the things that's going to make you a good team, that, you know, you have to, you have to have confidence in, you know what, if we do it, if we play our game and do what we're supposed to do, we're going to be okay. And, and just, you know, and, and live and die with that. And, you know, I, I, it's as a coach is, you know, that came that learned a different way that letting go of the preparation or the whatever is not easy, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I just, I made the decision that that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to focus on us, focus on what we do, show them a couple of things and just, you know, go in with the confidence and give them the confidence that guys don't worry about the trick play that they ran twice all year that we didn't go over. Just, 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 just play our game of basketball. If they make a shot, we're gonna come down. We're gonna make one too because this is what we do. They, they make a play. Okay, we're gonna come down. We're gonna get a stop. You know, and just, and just go at it from that mentality instead of worrying about, you know, the, you know, the, the like you said, the, the play that they run five percent of the time, but it's tricky and you know, getting all caught up in that and making trying to. Oh, we got to go over it. You know, that's. It's a, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. And like I said, right, the, the, I haven't done it yet. So this is all, you know, speculation that I'm talking right now, but that's kind of the mentality. I'm, 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 I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to have mentality and just, and, and see where that gets us. It's just real quick. We, so what kind of helped me when I, this didn't help me, but I was telling the story thing last week about one day in the bubble, 
Brad was in the, in the huddle drawing up a, a ATO, and then it was probably maybe like a minute left. And so he, after he wiped the board, he said, "Guys, uh, be mindful of this play. They like to run this ATO, at, you know, this time of the game." He draws up one of their the other team's plays. You know, he's he catches the elbow, he's going stagger away. Um, he's going curl it. Guy going to come back, going to dribble, pitch it. And they lift behind. Team came out, ran that exact play that he just drew up, and and they still scored, right? <laughs> he did it later on in the game. Same thing, another play, right? In the second half, drew up their play. They came out, ran that play, and scored again. My point is saying is that now either our guys were just worried about scoring on the ATO that he drew up and wasn't locked in, you know, to the defensive side of the ball, but it was just. The man was prepared. Mm-hmm. He knew his. He he knew them inside and out. His coaches, you know, our jobs is to be prepared. A lot of times it doesn't translate to to uh, um, to successful winning possessions, but you know, over the course of of a game, if your base is is uh, what it is. And you got the information. The guys are informed about how to attack them, how to defend them. You have enough possessions that if you win a higher percentage of them, nine times out of ten, you'll win, win, win the game. And that's something I had to learn, Matt. Because I, again, I would be snapping. I just I told I told you the flare screen was coming. You don't listen. What's wrong with you? But I bet you, if little baby was saying, yeah, you know, you know, something or or, or the, you know. Um, if Meek is saying something, I bet you you be locked in right on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tripping. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and, and they said that. They, you know, they said, and they said, for me, I don't really have to say anything. They just, you know, they get beat on that play. They just look over and look over the bench, and I'm just staring. I'm just staring mm-hmm. at them. So even even whether you flip on them or don't say anything, it's that they, they know. You know what I mean? And it's like you have that look on your face like, man, we went over this, and y'all still got beat on it. And But they said what it actually does is, you think you're preparing them and that it's going to increase their confidence, but they actually said in a way at times, not every time, that that information that if the self-fulfilling prophecy comes through, it actually decreases their confidence. And that was like, a you know, when they first said it, it was kind of profound. And I was like, OK, that's really deep that they're saying this. At first, I kind of took it as a cop out. I'm not going to lie. Right. I was just like, all right, y'all just make an excuse to forget beat on something that we spent a lot of time on. But I said, you know what? Okay, if that's how y'all feel, okay, and that you're telling me that's the reality of what happens in these games, then you know what? Okay, I'm gonna li- I'm gonna listen to that. I'm gonna respect that y'all are saying that, and I'm gonna try to reverse that mentality and get y'all out of that mentality where y'all feel you know deflated because of the self fulfilling prophecy. Where we're just gonna focus on us then. But let, you know, like I said, we'll still know what you know, kind of what they're doing. I'm gonna know what's going on. But you know what? I'm going to just give y'all the confidence to just go out and make plays and do what we do and not be so consumed on, you know, this play that we went over 20 times in practice, you know, and, and you know, because we're going to go over our stuff 20 times. And, you know, we're going to use that time to go over our stuff 20 times. So y'all know, OK, when we get the ball or we're on defense, we know we're going to get this stop because this is what we do and just try to switch that mentality. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to try it. You know, I'm going to I'm going to try it. You know, it's not, you know, may not be easy, but, you know, I'm going to listen to the guys and, and say, you know what, you know, let, let, let's try it this way. Sometimes, sometimes my fault, my no, uh, last thing I say is sometimes, right, it'd be 
you you have uh, I'm not going to name the name of the player. I'm not going to say the name of the players. But our, here's our system, right? At Queens, we're a writer. Anytime there's a step up pick and roll happens and a guard mouses it, we got in shout on the backside, right? And and uh, the, the action happens. Guys don't inch out. We give up a corner three. So you got you have a reference point as to what you're teaching, and then what happens when you don't inch out, right? So it's a part of your system. So later on in the season, same scenario happens. Mouse pick and roll, don't inch out. They late, bang, corner three, right? And so now you get to the playoffs. The same thing is happening to to one particular person, and and it costs you a game, right? Now, think about the next season. I'm almost positive that your voice or my voice in the moment when the failure happened by screaming and snapping and constantly repeating it in practice doesn't have the same power as that scenario happened in the playoffs and we get sent home because of mm-hmm. now you, you're still coaching, right? Now, ne- next season, guys have more time in your system and they own and they more aware and they got a better feel about certain things. So sometimes even as we relay information to our players, it takes time for them to own it, you, you, you know, and, and that's the combination of constantly drilling it in practice, having a, a certain amount of opportunities at failing that completing the test and, and, and then just the light comes on to where that they, one day they just, you know, own it. Like, I got it. So it doesn't happen anymore. And hopefully, you know, you can have players in your system for four years. Hopefully this guy signed the contract to it at next year. He's a much better defender in those scenarios. But our standards and our system from that standpoint is never going to change. It's just his timeline is different. Now, I wish he he would have he would have got it a little bit sooner. But it didn't happen. But that defeat just stuck with him more than anything that any of us could have ever said on, on the staff. Hey, My so, fault, Marlon. No, no, no. This this is good stuff, man. That, that's what what I wanted to know. Uh, just with the scouting, the, the way you guys do it, compared to you know how, how we do it at the collegiate level. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Bleachers and Boards with Matt Collier and Marlon Guild. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and our team-focused NBA pods, X's and O's, NBA Breakdown, Motor City Hoops, Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, and Hashtag Lakers. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Matt, if you had any more questions on that, I'll let you go ahead, but I know you had some other questions that we wanted to touch into. (laughs) We can get right into that. Uh, Matt, if you got some more questions on the scouting, let's do it. But if not, man... We go into that stuff that we was talking about earlier, man. We want to. No, I, th- I think we're gonna um, take our own advice here, right? Like we're not gonna overload the listeners with the, uh, <laughs> you know, with the uh, 
you know, on, with the uh, the board talk segment, right? We're going, you know, we got some really good information. We gave them a lot to chew on, a lot to think about, a lot of um, great um, nuggets there. Absolutely. So, you know, we're going to leave, we're going to leave the board talk segment there. And uh, I think we can uh, transition over to the second half for the, uh, the bleacher talk, you know? So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, who's got his Philly shirt on as always, you know, <laughs> Philly rep, Philly representative. And we actually had a, a fellow Quaker on uh, one of a, a recent episode, uh, coach uh, Mike Jordan now at uh, uh, Drexel university. And uh, we were talking about, you know, the Philly hip hop scene and, and, you know, you're a little bit older than, than, than Mike and a little bit older than us. So I know you saw it from the, the very beginning. So, how do you know obviously me and marlon are from new york and we're biased but you know i spent a lot of time in philly and uh you know so how do you how do you rank the philly hip-hop um artists and and contributions to you know to the game to the culture to the genre compared to say other city you don't have to compare it to new york but you know compared to the other regions say a chicago or a down south or you know texas out west how, how would you compare the, the contribution of philly to to hip-hop well well first i'm gonna start it with you know august 11th of 1973 it was when it was born right yep and, and so you know I'm, I'm always going to uh give new york is uh is just due from that standpoint you know growing up my favorite rapper was big daddy Kane. Mm -hmm. Oh wait! Oh, before you go any further, Brooklyn guy, Matt. Yeah, he yeah, was. Yeah, from Brooklyn. Br Br Brooklyn guy, but a member of the Juice Crew from Queens. Oh, but keep going. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Keep going. Oh, we keep go going. all the time, man. But I like where you're going. I like where you're going, man. I, I mean, one of the best to ever do it. I get you, yeah. you know, no, uh, no qualms out of me. Yeah, yeah, well, y'all can share in this. The symphony is one of the best songs ever made. All right, absolutely. Okay, so, so both of y'all get some some credit. Who had the better verse, him or G, who, him or G Rap? Um, setting it off. I, I think Big <laughs> Big Daddy K still had the best verse. All right, so let's break okay. this down. Let's 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 break it down. Let's break Brooklyn, it down. Brooklyn, we did it. Brooklyn, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Let's do this. Let's do this. Best quotable in the symphony. Best quotable in the symphony. Is it? I put out more lights in a fight than Con Edison, or is it? Battling me is hazardous to health, so put a quarter in your because yeah, you played yourself. yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I I will say that that is that's the yeah. best one. In yeah, that's the best quote of all. Because that's what I was thinking when you what, before you before you even gave me the option. That's, of course, I mean it is. I, I yeah. listen. I got no, but the Juice Crew, you know, Marley Mar Queen. So you know, I'm I'm good with that. I'm good. All right, but so anyway, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's it's. It's, it's funny, like you talk about Philly and like hip hop, right? And you try to compare it in terms of significance, you know, throughout the nation and um, with, with other, you know, other places in the country had like people that, that uh, really, really like has had a cultural impact, right? Mm -hmm. So if you took somebody that wasn't from, from, from Queens or wasn't from Brooklyn or wasn't from Philly and you talk to them about the geography of hip hop, it's not like they're going to say, you know, they're going to have Philly on that list, right? Right. Separately. Um, separately, right? right. They, you know, you, you know, you can talk about, you know, New Orleans and Master P, or you're going to talk about Dre and Snoop and Ice Cube and, you know, and, and, and Compton. You you can talk about Too Short up in, in you know, Oakland. You're going to talk about UGK and, um, 
you know, and in Texas, you know, eight, eight ball MJG and, you know, and, and, and Memphis, you can go to different, you know, parts to, of, uh, uh, of the country and, and people like, um, will be able to extract artists that, that make big significant contributions. You probably really going to either have to be from Philly or be a hip hop connoisseur to be like, yeah, you know, school D was in, you know, Kings of, you know, it's, you know, PSK, what does that mean? You know, that, mm-hmm. um, that was, you know, one of the theme songs to, um, Kings of New, you know, New York. Uh, um, you know, nobody's going to be like, yeah, you know, three times dope and EST from, you know, funky dividends. They, they're not really going, unless you're a true, true, you know, hip hop mm-hmm. hit. Everybody know Will, you know, you know, Will Smith just because of his, his fame. Um, but, you know, they, they, they can't recite brand new funk. You know what I'm saying? They're going to, more so be able to recite the, the, the theme song to Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> but, summertime, summertime is a Philly classic. Bro. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's it, yeah for, you know, for sure. Um, but, like, you know, we had this this d- debate over who's had more significance in, in a hip-hop scene. Was it, you know, Benny Siegel or was it Meek, right? And, you know, Meek, you know, probably had, you know, has had, you know, more, I want to say commercial success because he's not a commercial artist, but he's had more success, you know, I can't even say, I don't even want to say recently, but I'm just saying he's, he had more success. But, you know, when Beans was, was, was at his peak, you know, lyrically, like he, you know, he, you know, he, he was up there, but, uh, best to ever do it in my book. Yeah. I, I even think like, I even think like, like Gilly, well, now he's the king now, but you know, Gilly, <laughs> lyric, Gilly lyrically was, mm-hmm. like, he was, he was sharp. And mm-hmm. so, Cassie had his little run too. Cassie, you know, Cassie has little little run, and, and and as much as I love, you know, flip side, um, the song, um, I wasn't like, was a and, bang. And, and you know, what we do is 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 a is a classic. It wasn't like you know, Freeway's whole body of work. I was like, oh, it's crazy. I used to be like, yo, what is he? You know, what is he saying? Sometimes he he off and <laughs> oh, you go hate no, on Freeway. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just trying to be fair. Like right, I'm from right, Philly, right. and I'm a, and like I'm gonna be honest. Like I'm like when I was in the moment, I was like, uh, you know. And but you know, like for me, you know, Biggie, my favorite. You know, Jay is is uh like you know it's funny. Like my three favorite rappers of of all time, all of them from Brooklyn. You know, you know, all of them from Brooklyn, and you know, Jay Z is kind of like my idol on the love. You know what I'm saying? And and you know, Biggie was to me just. I went from Big Daddy Kane to Biggie, and 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 I'm not saying I went from Biggie to Jay. I'm just like because Biggie not here, Jay is 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 uh, I mean, what he's done is is already documented. So right, um, and he know. he played a big he played a big role in those you know Beanie Siegel and Freeway and yeah. you know the Young Guns and that whole state property movement. You know mm-hmm. he was the you know between him and uh, and Dame they were the driving force behind that. Put those guys in the mat. We were actually talking about. You know, when those guys came up to Hot 97 and the, the freestyles and, you know, all of that, that, that was a moment, you know, yeah. that, 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 that was a that was a, a for real, for real moment when those guys came up there and, you know, and, and, and did that. So um, we actually asked Mike Jordan this question to him to ask you, you know, and you're a Philly historian and then you brought up Meek Mill situation you're talking about recently. So I made the comment that and I'm not from Philly. I lived in Philly for nine years. I'm not from Philly that as of right now. That dreams and nightmares has replaced the theme from Rocky as the go-to 
Philly anthem. Is that accurate? Mm. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes. That's, I mean, that, that's pretty significant. I mean, you can talk about Rocky. He, you know, that Rocky thing has Philly, no matter where you were from, north, south, west, doesn't matter what, you know, what uh, ethnicity you are, that Rocky thing, come on, that's the Philly unifying, you know, joint right there. And for Dreams and Nightmares to replace that, that's, that's huge. That's major. That's major. Nick Foles, <laughs> after they won, I think two weeks ago, I think Chicago mm-hmm. beat somebody. And a reporter was asking him about what got him hype, what get him hype. Uh, and he, he referenced that song. And, you know, Nick Foles is a good Christian brother. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he, 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 I, I don't know. It's like, you know, I was, as he was asking the question, I was playing both of them in my head, you know, probably from a global standpoint, more people would still probably have a... Associate the Rocky thing with Yeah, him. yeah. It's still, I think, yeah, I still think it's, I still think it's a more popular song globally. Um, but, you know, if you ask me, you know, I, I would say, yeah, it might have replaced that joint. I think so everybody big, in Philly now, they so get the that. Biggest of the, anything ha- so whatever the major event in Philadelphia, whatever that next thing is, so I don't know what that would be, but say whatever that next thing is, and you can only invite one person to bring the city together. You either try, you either bring a slash the loan out uh-huh. and he gets up there, you know what I mean? You, you either bring him out or you're bringing Meek out. Slash the loan's out. He, he, which, he, now he is a New Yorker. He's a New Yorker. Right. Let's, right. let's keep that clean. He's from New right. York. But if it's a Philly event and you got one person, it can only be one, either slash the loan or Meek, Sloan's out. Meek's in. Right now, yeah, they in, in Philly, in Philly, in, in Philly. In Philly, yeah, me. me they gonna okay. be like, yo, Listen, I got respect. Nah. Ooh, yeah, that's nah. major. That's major. Yeah. And if, if the event is happening, hell of a in song. Philly. I can't, you know, I can't fret. Hell of a song. It's a yeah. hell of a song. It is. Now, if we in Berlin somewhere and uh, and you play that song, the Rocky, Rocky, Rocky thing. I mean, that's a hell of a sacrifice. I mean, y'all giving up the museum steps, all of that, like that whole. You know what I mean? Everything all right. It's the music, but it's also the image and, you know, the jumping around the top of the, you know, that's a lot to give up. Yeah, which but, is nutty, hey. which is nutty, though, because people really think I had, I was on a, I think I was on a Global Sports Matters podcast with, yeah, with uh, Bill Roten and Ken Shropshire. And he's like, yeah, yo, Rocky from Philly. I was like, ho, 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 not from <laughs> Philly. He's not from Philly. <laughs> Well, Rocky's from Philly. Sylvester Stallone not from Philly. Yeah, he's not from Philly. <laughs> Let's not get that twisted. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, you no, know I'm gonna ask this one too, Matt, because you know, obviously being around Pooh, we know, and, and we're gonna show our age on this one. He get nice on the one and twos. No, that, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. so bubble. What, one and mm-hmm. two is what we used to call the turntables. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Pooh, we know you had your turntables down down there in the bubble with you. Uh, two things: when did you fall in love with DJ? I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my brown sugar mm-hmm. question. When did you fall in love with DJ? <laughs> and who are your top three DJs? And, and mm-hmm. Matt, I hope, I hope, Matt, I hope I didn't ask one of your questions, but that's no, no, no. That's no. That's a great. That's a great question. 
That's been on now. Me. We qualifying DJ. I would just to be clear, are we qualifying DJs with producers. Like, are they mixed in, or is it just purely, you know, party DJs like a Funk Master Flex? You know what I mean? Like, not saying Flex is on his list, but I'm saying dudes that really don't produce like that. You know, does Premier count as a DJ, or is he a producer? You know, where where are we drawing the lines? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're gonna take it old school, man. We we want we want somebody that can rock the crowd, man. You don't need okay, no. okay, okay, okay. So two two thousand was when I got my first set. Mm-hmm. I was uh um I was collecting music all th- throughout college and um, paused for a minute after my rookie year and then started adding to the collection <clears throat> after I got back from Minnesota and and then around in two thousand when I went to uh, Istanbul mm-hmm. I got my wife to and my cousin went to the store and bought me a set. To kind of, um, you know, get me started. My cousin Derek, you know, Derek you know, Jones, D's name, DJ D Rock, mm-hmm. um, was the one who kind of got me into it. Um, and my top three DJs of all time is DJ Did Jazzy Jeff is number one. Good one. Um, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Kid Capri uh, is probably number two. My my cousin would probably get mad because he's not on the list um, since he showed me how to DJ. But you know what? Lately, you, you know, like I, I've been, I, I won't say Brucey e. B, but mm. um, I'm probably going to say, uh, I'm not going to say uh, Ted Smooth, but probably DJ Melster. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I actually watch him a lot on, uh, like on Instagram, like on his, whether it be on his stories or whatever he posts, like he just, he clean, like, and whether it's, you know, blending, scratching, like he just, I like, a, to be honest with you, I like a lot of New York DJs because they, they like, in New York, I used to like partying in New York because in New York they party, like, you know, people moving, like they not, they not coming, they didn't used to like go in the clubs or, be Play on the wall and stuff like the wall. They, you know, they they was partying, and I used to kind of on a on a low. I used to go up to New York a lot with Reggie Freeman, okay, and and, and Tyrone Grant and mm-hmm. and uh, and Dwayne Woodward, who was assistant coach at Seton Hall. Yeah, like you know, they you know, good friends uh, of mine, and and, and five thirty, you know, Jamel Thomas. I, he used to party, you know, like, and, and I ain't gonna say I used to dance like I was from New York, but, but, uh, <laughs> but I used to really like going to party in New York. Mm-hmm. New York Philly two step. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm affected. I'm gonna be clear. And, and that's why we like to do this bleaches and boards thing, man, because, you know, we, we kind of basketball and, and hip hop have a connection, right? But and I know that you know the guys that you just named. Basketball is what brought you guys together. You know the the high fives and the five thirty and, and Todd Grant, right? But music kind of kept you guys together too. For you wanting to come to New York and, and have a good time, mm-hmm. and you know I think that's important. That a lot of times we forget the fact that both basketball and hip hop are, are one and the same almost, man. For the things they can do to, to bring us together. So when you said those guys, man, 
you know, sh- shout out to those guys. Uh, 40, hopefully we can have him on the show. We've tried. Uh, you, you know what, Pooh, if, if you can talk to 40, uh, maybe <laughs> have him on. Um, we tried yeah. to reach out to, you know, the Seton Hall men's basketball secretary to no avail. So, you know, ho- hopefully. You, you- I'm going to call him. I'm going to call him. <laughs> he don't have a choice. Right, we, right, right. <laughs> we, me, me, 40, and Ty Grant used to meet. And uh, this is my next, to, second to last year, or my last year, I think, plan. We used to meet in Bologna, Italy, every Sunday. We all three of us played in three different spots. And I used to, I would DJ in this club on Sunday nights. And, oh, wow. and, and every now and then, if I don't talk to 40, like, say, for a month or so, uh, he'd either text me or he'd call I answer. And he'd, he'd always say, last night the DJ saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. Mm-hmm. That, that's good stuff, man. I, I I got a lot out of this, man. This one, absolutely, absolutely, you absolutely. Got, you can keep going. I, I just want to listen at this point. This yeah, no, no, no. I'm good, man. I'm good. I uh, I said I, I learned a lot too. You know, I always learned a lot for Pooh. Pooh's always been really generous with me and his knowledge of the game and sharing. I mean, I asked him to watch some stuff, you know, over the something, you know, over the during the pandemic, watch some stuff on, you know, my offense and stuff like that. And he sent me like 10 screenshots of notes <laughs> of, of things that he saw. And, you know, he's been really generous with, you know, with, with his knowledge with me. So, you know, I really appreciate, you know, I appreciate him for that. And then, you know, same that same energy coming onto the the platform and, and being generous and sharing with you know with us as well as um, our listeners. So you know, I always appreciate Pooh and uh, you know those guys are getting ready to get back at it. You know, in a couple of weeks or next week, right, Pooh? Y'all about to get back back started again? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah so um, and the last thing um, you know, before we sign off, I want to give uh, um, Coach uh, an opportunity to um, you know, a project that he worked on. Um, couple of years um in the making and um you know very successful uh, launch for a, a book that he wrote on uh, his experiences um in the basketball world and uh, so i just want to give him a you know an opportunity to uh you know speak on that and hopefully our listeners will will check it out because it's a very powerful um you know testimony of his life and uh you know if you're not familiar with it i definitely want to give our listeners an opportunity to become familiar with it so coach uh, please tell us about the uh the book that you uh wrote and published and uh is available for uh people to check out yeah thanks matt it's a uh, uh, name of the book is called uh, when the alphabet comes uh, a life changed by exposure uh it's available on all you know uh, distribution uh platforms you know amazon barnes and nobles uh book baby um and it's pretty much a story um, around <clears throat> uh, my involvement in a college admission scandal and how, uh, you know, my life and things played out. Uh, I'm not, not just saying it because I penned it, but uh, I, I really think it's a, a crazy story, to say the least. And, um, you know, just shows, you know, how, you know, God can use an imperfect human to uh, to deliver something that so that, you know, he can. Uh, get some glory and uh you know if you get a chance uh, again it's uh um, when the alphabet comes and uh and you can go to the, to the website and you know just check out some of the stuff that's wrapped around it um and it is the title of the book when the alphabet comes.com um and and if you're scrambling and and 
and you can't afford to, to purchase the book, you know, find me and I'll send you one for free. So I appreciate uh, Marlon and Matt for having me on. I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, um, just, you know, to, to be amongst, you know, some young guys that's about the right stuff and, and doing it the right way. And, and I think, you know, we all should, you know, when you asked me to get Dwayne Woodward on here, it was like, you don't have a choice. You know, I think we all need to, need to just remain in fellowship um, and to stay connected. Uh, so, yeah, so thank you. Right, and, and you know, oh, thank you. before uh, we sign off, man, and, and you know, like Matt said, thank you. Uh, I, I don't know, and, and this might be a whole nother topic. I don't know if I want Dwayne Woodward on here because he's another Queens guy. Queens <laughs> guy. You see that? You see? <laughs> Ooh, I, I had no. You see shot. that? I have see that? No shot whatsoever. That's a shame. That's that's a real no, shame. I have no shot at winning an argument or even giving concrete information to back up what it is I want to talk about because, you know, Matt will just go, yo, it's another Queens guy. You're outnumbered. And, and that'll just end everything. But I mean, that, listen. <sighs> so I, I played a 55th with Pos, the Posse, right? Which mm -hmm. is it was a, a team from the Bronx. That's where Reggie Freeman was from. Yep. Terrence, Terrence Wrencher from yep. there. I'm a little Irv, a little I'll be right back, you know, was from there. And um, obviously Master Rob um, was from there. And Forty was on our team. He was the only guy from Queens um, on our team. And obviously I was the only non-New Yorker on our team. You know, Reggie Freeman put, you know, got me on the team. And uh, I made the mistake of asking Kimba, who was the best guard from the Bronx, right? And um, – I was like, you know, is it you? Is it Rod Strickland? Is it High Five? Is it 40? And someone was in my comments. I think it was Kamani Young. Yeah. I mean, no, no. And I said, I said, you know, I said, is it Reem Reed? Right, right. And Reem Reed and somebody else was in my comments. First of all, Reem Reed is like, damn, how you not going to mention me? Right, right, like, right. And I was, I was just like, <laughs> I did one, two, like people really be paying attention. Like, he felt some type of way. Yeah. Right. And then and then I think it was Kamani is like 40 is not from yeah, you're not, not from the Bronx. He's yeah, from, he from yeah. Queens. Bronx, Bronx is not getting I was, I was like, no, my, no, my sir. fault. We were always on the same team. Somebody might no, be no, short. Sir. I was from the Bronx, right? No, sir. <laughs> no, yeah. sir. No, sir. Yeah. <laughs> we listen, we gotta stick together, man. We get a lot of hate. And, you know what I mean? We gotta stick together, you know. Okay. But we hold the city down, and they all know it. But you know, it's just you know. Molly, <laughs> you got Bronx, it, man. You know, you you had enough. You had <laughs> Bronx keep on making it. Nah, it yeah, just, yeah, I ain't gonna finish that line. My fault. yeah, yeah, because you you shouldn't finish it because it's not accurate. It was the you know, but we you know we that's another episode. That's another episode. <laughs> another episode. All right. Uh, you know what, Matt? This, this Cool. Appreciate it, man. Um, Thank you. We're looking forward to this. It, it was great to, to have you on and, and, you know, see how you guys do things in the NBA and then how you share those stories. So, you know, I know the listeners are going to love this. Um, you know, so for me personally, thank you. Uh, and man, I'll let you take us out, man. Right, once again, appreciate Coach Jerome Allen of the Boston Celtics for his generosity with us, uh, with our listeners, uh, on another great episode of Bleachers and Boards. Please subscribe, uh, rate, comment, you know, follow us on social media, on all of our platforms. Check out our YouTube page. 
um, bleaches and boards for everything. And, uh, you know, once again, for myself, Matt Collier, my co-host Marlon Guild and uh, Pooh Allen have another great uh, episode here. Feel free to check it out and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Take care. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Well, that's another episode of Bleachers and Boards brought to you by the Hoop Heads Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Bleachers and Boards. Until next time, see you soon.